The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to another episode of the Shaken and Stirred Show. I'm Nigel Barker in New York, and finally my co-host has returned, um, Tom Astor in Oxford, who's been gallivanting all around Europe, pretending to get stuck in France and sending me text messages of beautiful sunsets and trying to make me feel sorry for him because he's sort of stuck drinking red wine or rosé. You know, sorry, mate. I'm not sorry for you, but I'm very glad to have you back. Well, it's very nice to be back, Nigel. And I did actually get stuck in France, but only because, and it was very, very nice to get stuck in France as well. It's the first time I've ever, the woman at the gate of the airport, I got as far as actually getting to the gate to get on the airplane, to get back to the UK. And, oh, there's the old clock. Um, and, um, and the woman said, have you got your blah, blah, blah form? And I went, what do you mean? And she went, well, you, you can't go into the UK without a certain form. And I just thought, I thought, fuck me. I have just come from the UK, which has got the highest fucking COVID rate in Europe, into France with no fucking problem at all. But I can't get back into my own country without doing a passenger locator form, having pre-ordered a day two COVID test that I had to take when I got back here, which I've had to send off. I can clearly see, Tom, you've had a wonderful holiday in Europe and you're very happy to be back. Oh. Really relaxed and... You know, you know. You've, I see you've had a haircut. Um, you, you, you're, you know, you're looking all, you know, dapper with your little haircut and what have you. And but, but quite pissed off by the whole process, nonetheless. No, just this country is ridiculous. It's just absurd. But having said that, I went. To, I was in South France, a very, very good friend of mine, and we. It was wonderful. We had the most fabulous six days. Well, and then in the end, seven days, I think, because I got stuck. Um, and we were staying with him in Antibes in the South of France, and. We decided on Tuesday that we quite felt like eating pasta, so we drove down to Italy. This is the great thing about Europe, which you, I guess you don't have mistakes because of the distances. But hour and a half later, we're in San Remo. It's a completely different culture, an Italian culture. It's no, different. it's no different. I drive from New York and I'm, you know, in Jersey and it's a completely different culture. And um, and they have pasta no. there, you know, it, it's Jersey style. Um, it's it's Coney Island and they've got the longest hot dog you've ever seen. I mean, you know, there's, there's cultures here for sure. <laughs> Is it as good, Nigel, as the pasta that you get in San Remo? I'm now going to desperately it, look. It, I don't know, you have to look up. If you go to Rocco's, you know you can get a pretty good pizza there too. Not to, you know, don't forget pizza was pretty much invented in the states. So, nice, nice. I'm not talking about pizza. I'm talking about a bottle of seriously delicious Italian wine. And a, and a, and well, a, that, no, board, what are you drinking? What are you drinking a right now? Oh, full of the most delicious cheese you've ever Italian cheese. Ugh. Feel like I should probably get a little bit. Probably will quite soon. What am I drinking? I'm cheating again. I've had to go to my first aid box again. Crazy. I'm drinking a Brockwell Park Bramble. These are like premixed cocktails, and I just figure it's just it's I don't know gin, Schomburg fructose and bitters and it's absolutely it's they you know something it's the third one i've had on as many shows and they're absolutely delicious can't recommend them highly enough they're created by um dick bradsell classics i mean it's it's a it's yeah it's a brilliant way to actually 
basically drink cocktails. Although I think it should come with a kind of syringe and things like that and raspberries, which you, my you, daughter you, actually gave it to me. But I know, me I know. I've, I've heard, I've heard this. You'd think that this podcast was sponsored by this particular brand, but it's not people. Tom actually just likes drinking them, which is an endorsement in itself. I mean, that is quite Maybe something. He's also me. a debugger and he's not making them himself. So, you know, there you go. Sometimes he does, but recently not. I've got have a you, sex on the beach. Oh. Sex on the beach. I like a little theme. You know that. Sex on the beach, people. It is one of the oldest, silliest, frivolous cocktails that's out there. Um, it's so easy to make. Vodka, peach snaps, chambord, which is creme de cassis, uh, orange juice and cranberry juice. Chuck it in a shaker, shake it up, and you're ready to go. It, it used to be really popular in the 80s and 90s. It's actually... Um, and so I taste it pretty sweet. It's a pretty sweet, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not really my thing, generally speaking, but I thought I'd go with a bit of a theme. But look, we have a great guest who's coming on, but before we get there, we've got some booze news and I want to just announce a little bit of booze news. This is missing. I'm not putting out an amber alert. This is a red wine alert, people. Uh, there has been a robbery um, in Spain at an upscale hotel restaurant and amongst the wine stolen is a 215 year old bottle. Um, this particular establishment um, is owned by a man called Jose Polo and it's a two star Michelin starred restaurant called Atrio. And uh, there was, um, this is, this could have been you Tom, maybe it wasn't because it was two people apparently, two English speaking people in Spain went to this establishment, stayed there and then distracted the security guard whilst in the meantime actually went down to the cellar, robbed it of 48 bottles of wine, um, valued at over something something crazy, in, uh, over uh, half a million pounds, I believe. One bottle alone was valued at 295,000 pounds, $407,000. It was a bottle, and you probably know this better than me, um, in 1806 called Chateau Dakim. Dakim, does that make sense to you? Dakim, thank you. I knew you would know what it was. It's a rare bottle, it's probably one of the only ones, and six bottles of Romane Conti, right? So, and that was apparently, they, those bottles dated back to the 19th century as well. They got away, and these bottles are so recognizable that they are saying that if they appear on the market, everyone will know where they came from. So that likely they're going to a private seller, a private individual who's going to drink them. So whether they'll ever get these bottles back or not is a mystery. And they, they don't know where these people went. They've vanished into, into sort of thin air, so to speak. Um, so there you go. There's been a heist, a wine heist. You know what? You know something that's it's a little bit like the lottery, isn't it? It's like, you know, but worse because in the in the case of these bottles, there's no way. Only one person really is going to drink these bottles ever. So, does anyone actually feel sorry for the for the restaurant? Not really. I mean, because no one really is going to spend four million pounds on a bottle of wine, right? So, therefore, like they can't be resold. Obviously, someone's going to drink them privately, um, and. So what? Literally, it doesn't matter because it's someone's going to drink them anyway. Like, it gives a shit. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't. It's not like. It's. I mean, it's irrelevant. There you have it. As I mentioned, we might have found the culprit. We have a wonderful guest coming up. 
Our guest this week is considered the number one dating coach for men. She's the founder of The Wing Girl Method and the co-author of the newly released book, Be Her Hero. She's also a YouTube sensation with over 70 million YouTube views. Please welcome Marnie Kinris. Marnie, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the Shaken and Stirred show. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, well, I'm very excited to, to speak with both of you. Well, we've got, you know, two, I would say, experienced men in the in the sort of field of being married and dating, dating yeah. and being married. So, you know, yet yeah, we could probably do with a refresher. And I think we'd love to kind of, uh, you know, ask you, I've got so many questions for you. I had so much fun researching and investigating and looking at all the things that you do from the F to your books, to your podcast, to all your advice, to the other members of your team, the Chictionary. There's so many. Oh, amazing. Fine. And you do the podcast. You know it better than I do, obviously. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know. I ended up with too many questions. And I thought, you know, anyway, before we dive in, we always ask people what you're drinking. What have you got with you? Well, okay. So for me right now, I don't have anything by me, but my favorite drink of all time, and it was kind of forced upon me and I'll give you that backstory in a second. My favorite drink is really just straight Reposado tequila on the rocks with a lemon, a lime, and a squeeze of orange on top of it. A lemon and a lime. Yeah, I'm, I'm very needy. Yes, I'm high maintenance with my drink, but yeah, lemon and a lime and it's like a little tiny squeeze of orange juice of an orange slice on top. So you're sort of creating a margarita without the triple sec. Yes. You've got the orange from the triple sec, and then you've got the lime from which you would put in a margarita. And then you obviously yeah. have the tequila. Um, do you have a go-to tequila? Oh, so sometimes, I actually forget what it's called, but it's in this, it's in a green bottle. I totally forget what it's called, but that's my go-to. I order it on Whole Foods. It's like in my shopping cart continuously. Whenever it finishes, I just order it again. But I forget what it's called. Sorry. Oh, I, I love that. It comes in a green bottle. In a green bottle. It's, it's like this beautiful. The difference between, bottle. you know, I mean, I, I got to say, that's a great, I've never, that's, I don't think we've ever had anyone who said it comes in a green. You know how many <laughs> drinks come in a green bottle? This doesn't help anybody. I, think I know, every I'm single, so sorry. Every wine bottle in the world, I think is pretty much, you know, red wine bottle is green. I should have been more prepared for this. I'm sorry. I was prepared on the backstory of why I had What is the backstory? What is your backstory? So when I was 20 years old, I had a stroke. Um, and they have no idea why I had a stroke, but I, I actually feel like I know the reason that I had a stroke. I was under tons of social pressure. I was completely insecure, totally shy, never spoke my mind, uh, had an eating disorder, basically a lot of pressure and a lot of stress is what was going on for me at that time. And that's why I believe that I had a stroke. And during that time, because I did have disordered eating or an eating disorder, I was messing up my gut. I was totally mixing around with my stomach, eating things some days, not eating things another day, putting certain foods that were not so good into my body so that I could lose weight. Um, and that really messed up my gut. And I developed a ton of stomach issues where I would eat something and like instantly my stomach would just blow up. I would be uncomfortable constantly. And I, when I moved over to Los Angeles, I went to a whole bunch of different types of doctors. I went to a Chinese doctor, an Ayurvedic doctor, and I finally stumbled into functional medicine where I met my favorite person of all time, Dr. Eric Miller, who did a ton of tests on me and discovered that I had formed many intolerances to most of my favorite foods, which were healthy foods, but still my stomach wasn't able to process them because I had something called leaky gut syndrome. Um, and he helped me heal my leaky gut 
by prescribing me with a paleo diet, which is where the tequila fell into because tequila is one of the only things that you can drink on a paleo diet. And so I have been a strict paleo eater, maybe not so strict anymore, but for a long time, I was a very strict paleo eater uh, for about 12 years. And that's why my go-to drink is tequila with my lemon lime and a little squeeze of orange on top because it's super yummy. It gets me where I want to go and I feel wonderful while I'm drinking it, after I'm drinking it, and then for several days afterwards as well. There you have it. My God, that is a, an explanation for why one drinks tequila. I don't think I've ever heard of something so... In a green bottle, in a green bottle. Extraordinarily convoluted, but at the same time, you know, why not? I mean, if, if there's a way, there's a, you know, that, that's extraordinary. You're taking the words out of my mouth. I don't know what, really, what an unusual story, but I'm sorry about your how you felt, but I'm glad you're feeling better now. It's, well, thank it, you. The tequila doesn't mess with you, really. That's it. Just seems to be no, okay. Tequila makes me feel great. Yeah. Well, like you know, afterwards we'll have to connect. I'm a big tequila person. Tom hates tequila. I I love tequila. We all have our I, own things. It's the only um. It's the only sort of one of the only alcohol experience that isn't a depressive, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. the point. Yeah, it's one of the only ones that isn't. Yeah. So that's why you yeah. don't like it. No, I don't. No, I don't like it because it made. I got very. It's like oysters. I got seriously ill on it when I was oh, in my, oh, you know, sorry. when I was twenty or something, and and just I can't. Still can't. Like it just like. Oh, I like, get that. I totally can't get, get back. Uh, you, what what you did get was you actually, you know, totally got Tom in the first comment when you were like, oh, you, well, you don't like it because it's an upper. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, it likes to be the depressant. So he's I'm like, not, no, I'm no, the happiest person. Like, no, thanks very much. There you go. There you go. Oh, Look. Yeah. Let's get right into this. You know, I, I'm going to read this here because it's, it comes from something I read on your one of your one of your many sites and many places we can find you. But as you spent the last decade helping hundreds of thousands of men stop being Mr. Nice Guy and become Mr. Holy Shit, I want him. Yes. Um, <laughs> so what's wrong with Mr. Nice Guy? Because Mr. Nice Guy is a fake name for Mr. Beta, Mr. Simp, Mr. Pleasing Me, Mr. Needy, Mr. I'm going to walk all over you. It's the nice way of saying those things. And nobody wants to be that person. Nobody wants to have those things happen to them, especially a man. And so I'm helping guys actually be really nice and really kind, but also uh, be able to attract the women that they want and not have those labels put onto them and the things happen to them you know it's fine i just heard you say you use the word simp and that's an expression that my son uses you know is you know i've heard him say oh you know that guy's a simp yeah where do you think i learned it from from my children like i i didn't even know these words before it's, they're all they're new terms that are being tossed out just to have more cash a simp, it, it, it's really just like a weak a weak man a man right. that gets walked all over that can't speak up for himself and, and sadly, that is so many people, but a lot of men right now. You know, you, you know you're, you're all about sort of what women want, you know, versus what they say they want, right? And this is an interesting thing. So and this, this goes, I would imagine, for both married men as well. Did you talk, do you speak to, the, well, you know, because in, in a marriage too, it's, it, it, you, you still have to, you learn how to deal, you learn your, what your wife wants, you learn what she's saying. You learn, and I have now have a daughter and I'm, you know, who's, who's also going through puberty. So she's, you know, there's emotions running high in the house and I'll say something and my wife would be like, like, don't say that. And I'm like, but what? And then she's like, you know, say it this way. And I'm like, but 
and, uh, and it's sort of like there's almost like there needs to be a translator sometimes as, yeah. as a, because you're trying to understand their emotions and, and how they, and how they read things you know I, I understand you under you you getting it as a woman but how would you, how do you know what the man is thinking because well, don't you have to go now it's because I've talked to so many men. I've been doing this for 17 years. And it's interesting because in the very beginning, um, I was just giving my opinion, my advice. I was interviewing other women and relaying that information to them. And then I got really deep into the pickup artist community, which was heavily dominated by men, male coaches teaching men. And they hadn't had a woman in a female run business be a part of that industry. And I came into that world and understand that there was a whole psychological side, a teaching side, um, a tips and tools side that could help men really understand how to do things around women, but taught to them in a way that they could understand. So I started learning more about how men work, how men process information, uh, how men need things to be much more logical and surface level. And women are quite the opposite. Um, so over time, I've learned how to break down and relay the information into uh, in, into ways that men can take on and then actually act out on their own and like learn and take it in for themselves and learn how to do it. So for example, with you and your wife and your daughter, um, there are uh, certain tools that I, that I would teach for communication so that you actually just sit there, hold space for the women around you and allow their emotions to do what they're doing. But when you allow that space for them to have their own whirlwind and be themselves without trying to logically calm down their emotion, um, there's a way that your daughter and your wife can actually explain to you how they're thinking and feeling without you needing to probe and prod for the information. Um, and, and, and so a, a lot of this information isn't natural for men because it's not the way that they communicate. So for me, I've been very lucky because it, it's making me smarter around the men that I get to interact with and then also help the men that I work with. You know, it's, it's funny, it's sort of sometimes I hear my, my daughter will even talk about some, you know, some situation, some argument, something that's going on with her peer group, her friends. And, and, you know, and then my son will chime in and say, if that happened to me, I just punch him. <laughs> you know, and, you're, and, you're, and it was sort of like, then that would be it. You know yeah, I, mean? I know. Trust me. I wish I was like a dude. That would be the best thing in the entire world. But it's it's just so different for us. There's an emotional component. There's a social component. There's a how you're perceived by others component. There's the backlash component. There's all of these things that we factor into it that, that don't have a heavy weight on a man's shoulder. I wish I could punch some of my female friends in the face and then go for a drink with them afterwards. That would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, no. It's so interesting. I mean, you know, I, I guess sort of Going back to sort of, you know, you, you talked about pickup lines and that whole world. And I think that's a sort of, a, it's a fascinating thing because that's really where it all starts, right? It's how do you, how do you get to just, you know, just, I guess, say, not, not to say so much, how do you get to first base, but how do you even speak to someone? I mean, guys, and I've watched some of your podcasts and I've, I've listened to your podcasts and I've watched some of your videos wow. and, and the various lectures that you've done. Um, I was looking at them this week and, and I, I noticed there was one conversation you were having with a guy, I forget his name, it was something just very normal guy, normal name, John or something. And you, you were in an art gallery and, and you were sort of, you assumed that you were saying, imagine we're in an art gallery and you're going to come and pick, you know, pick me up. What would you do? Just walk up to me and try Gosh, and pick you up. everything. Wow. You know? and, and this guy just walks over to you and he goes, he says something like, 
I just want to let you know that you're the hottest thing in here. And and by the way, I'm the hottest guy in here. And and then you turned around and said, well, guess what? My boyfriend's like over there. And he right. turned around and said, fuck your boyfriend. I'm here. Now you liked the fuck your boyfriend part because it was confident, but I, the rest of it was shit. But I, you know, though, I mean, that was a terrible, I, I don't know what he was thinking. It was awful, right. uh, but you know, that's the worst kind of pickup line ever. But what, you know, not just what one of specific lines, but what sort of constitutes a bad pickup line? The yeah. truth is, it's about how you say something, not about what you say to women. So I always say to guys, I could have 10 guys lined up in front of me and each of them say the exact like pickup artist approved line. And I am going to sense something different from each of them. One of them I'm going to want to go make out with. One of them I'm going to want to hold and like just, you know, play with his hair and make him feel better because I'm so sad for him. The other one I'm going to want to be friends with. Four of them I'm going to want to totally ignore because they're creeping me out. It, it really is about what's presented behind behind the words, not about the actual words that are being said. So there's a, like many of the men that come to me are like, tell me exactly what to say. And I always say to them the exact same thing I just said to you, you have to build up the how before, before the what actually resonates with women. Because if you don't have that how, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, I I just, I was going to say, like, I, I mean, I've, I've mentioned this before on the show, but because I've I've had my wife on as a guest, but you know, we actually my, my first line to her, and I by the way, when I met her, I was kind of a player at the time. I I, I was young, yeah, right, but I was a bit of a player. I was modeling. I was in Milan. I had long hair. I was kind of in good shape, and you know, I was doing really well in my bit job. And I, you know, you had options. You had options. Yeah, we thought everything was going yeah. fine. I was told by her agent. That, that he's found this beautiful girl. She was going to be at the agency. You've got to come by and meet her. She's perfect for you. And he was, you know, kind of trying to set us up, I guess. And I walked in and I saw her and she has an identical twin sister and they were both sitting there together. And I was like gobsmacked and kind of blown away. And was like, and all of a sudden, like literally everything in my head just- I don't know what to say. Didn't, went away, disappeared. And, and I literally, but it didn't stop me from, I mean, it didn't stop me from having the two confidence to go straight up and say, well, two for one. That was not what I was thinking, but maybe I was thinking that, but I didn't know. Well, that that's almost the one he was talking about. That's why, that's where your story falls down. Like, you just walked in, you've never met them, but you've seen her, but you don't know which one her is because they're identical twins. Yeah. So story well, completely they, they they give up they give different vibes because one of them had a boyfriend that's why there was one because one kimmy as you know had a boyfriend my wife chrissy didn't and so she had a different vibe to her and yeah. and this is and we'll, maybe we'll get to the rest of it but I, what i was going to say was that my pickup line and i just want to say it to you because i always th- think of it as the worst pickup line of all time that was the best pickup line of all time yeah. right which was the fact that I, I i literally had been bitten the night before by a mosquitoes on my arm and I had, and I'm allergic. So I had two very big, really awful looking red mosquito bites on my arm that had like blisters on the top because I'd scratched them. And so they were like, it was awful, like sappy, like, and I looked at her and I was like, hey, how are you guys doing? You're new to town and you just arrived. You know, by the way, you should got to be really careful. The mosquitoes are really bad this time of year. Look at my arm. And I they, love it. And, and, and it was the weirdest thing because you, because because my wife went, Oh my God, I'm from Alabama. The mosquitoes are terrible down there. Exactly. And, like, and she I said, like, felt sensitive and wanted to care for my arm. So you're saying it's a good line because it's hard oh, I love time. that. Well, one of, the, one of the main ways that I teach how to start conversation is, is a method called OSA. So it's observe, uh, 
observe, sorry, I can't speak today, observe, share, and ask. So it cuts out the first, you know, three minutes of conversation. of like, hi, I'm Nigel. I saw you from across. Like all of that cheesy chit chat that just gets women to go boom, 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 put a barrier up. I don't want to talk to him. Right. So it's starting the conversation as if you already know the person, as if you're friends, as if, 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 you don't see a barrier in place, right? There is no difference between the two of you and nothing for you to like leap over to get to her. So you make an observation, which is very similar to what you did. I have these things on my arm. They're huge. They're really annoying. Watch out for the mosquitoes. That's an observation about the world that you're in. And you're talking to her as if you already know her. So she has really no choice but to react as a caregiver and as a woman and say, oh my gosh, your arm, horrible. I happen to have mosquitoes as well where I'm from, and then you have a connection piece. So I, I think it's fantastic. And so the truth is, you didn't walk over as this model trying to be all cool, like I'm this model, and we're gonna be introduced to each other, and I'm so cool. You're saying, I have a flaw, it's messed up, I'm showing it to you, and I'm okay with showing that to you. I'm not embarrassed by it and trying to act all cool. So I oh, think it's fantastic. Do you not think it's more also, I'm in Italy, I'm homesick, I'm missing my mother, I need <laughs> someone to like step in for her. Yeah. I mean, come on. Seriously. I don't think that's what it's saying at all. But if you were to say it like that, yeah, I don't think it would have worked as well. It's, for me, that's completely plausible. You know, um, nice. Yeah, no. even, even for you, like the way that you, I haven't really talked to you that much, but I can sense from you, like you own I'm not going to label you as like a curmudgeon, but like you, you, you're owning that. You're like, this is who I am. I'm okay with it. And I'm going to put it out there. I'm not going to try and be prim and proper and perfect for you. And that's sexy and attractive on its own. It's a different kind of package and it's going to appeal to different people, but it's always going to be appealing because you're being authentic and transparent about you, who you are and not trying to cover it up. Tom has had no issue his entire life having girlfriends beautiful girlfriends wives you name it wife um i say wives not yet at least um but you know and, and it shocks us all all his friends are like what the hell but is it you know the, and it, but i'm joking aside we don't say that necessarily but we but it's been like not an issue and i think you mentioned confidence as being an clearly really important factor and you know, Tom has it in abundance, you know, him and I have been friends since we were 14. We've always been, you know, two confident chaps, one way or another. Yeah, we're so we're, we're high school buddies, but we met when we were like 13, 14 years old. So we've been friends since then. And we've got parents to each other's kids and what have you. But confidence plays a huge part, right? In, in everyone. Well, in everything, in every area of life, confidence plays a huge part. But I think I think the difficulty for a lot of people, for men and for women, is really figuring out how to be confident and what it means to be confident. Like, how do you get to that confident space? But yes, it's a huge I will also put my hand up and say, it's not, actually, I haven't always felt confident at all. Confident, the confidence, I think, was actually quite often a mask. Not anymore, actually, but used to be a mask for cro actual chronic insecurity. It might, it's, I, I found, you know, which- Obviously, which it was a mask that worked well for you and you could play it well. So that's interesting. Well, it also didn't. Ended up in a bunch of, you know, picking some, you know, you know, literally ending up with the wrong people quite often, you know. So, but, but yeah, you ended up with the wrong people, maybe, you know, but you went, but ultimately, I guess it's one of those things where you've got someone like perhaps yourself in this, that instance where, yeah, you maybe didn't pick the right person. Right. But you were able to at least date people and, and go through the process. I think, you know, there's that. And then there's also people who just simply can't even get a date. Right. They, they, they you think on paper 
that they've got what would it take what it takes to, to to you know get a date they look great maybe they're fit whatever but somehow it's just not connecting and i've got friends of mine who you know you think they're they've got everything it takes but they just they're not dating and they're just they, they i know they want to you know yeah. but they it's just not connecting so something somewhere when they meet that person i've i've known you tom for years and i know that you sort of have a and, it, and it's not a maybe it was insecurity whatever but you've always had a i don't care kind of attitude right regardless you're like whatever i'm gonna do i'm you're so unapologetic and i think that you know whether it comes from insecurity or not is there's a, a confidence in that that is sort of alluring and mysterious on and how and how does he feel that way how does he how you know and I, I would imagine that's what people see have seen in you historically right well i mean i've, I've known you what for seven minutes now and i i feel like i can see that right away and, and i'll say something so i I told you before when I was talking about my drink story, but I used to be extremely shy. I never spoke my mind. I, I was always the little wallflower in the, the crowd. Um, and I was very uncomfortable and very self-conscious about who I was and what I had to say, right? So I didn't have very much confidence in the past. I worked really hard to gain my confidence, but I still have many insecure moments on a daily basis. Even now I'm a mother and a, a wife and I am going to uh, my kid's school later on this afternoon. I'm a part of the PTA and there's gonna be other moms there. And as much as I practice my confidence and I am a confident person, I will still have those nervous butterflies in my stomach when having to interact with these other moms who I don't know, but my confidence and my experience in the past is going to override that. So I might be feeling shaky, but I don't let it silence me anymore. Now I actually let it motivate me. So you may have been feeling insecure on the back end, but your, over, your, your confidence and your experience and your practice of your confidence was always able to, to beat out that insecurity that you were feeling, whether or not you made bad choices on the back end of whatever you did with it. Right, right, okay, right. Yeah. I can see that. You know, we're just on this subject of, you know, obviously Tom mentioned picking the wrong girl type of thing. I mean, what is, are there certain things that we should, people should avoid when, when they're sort of dating, like when, they, when, they, when you meet someone that, that you perhaps should be, a, you know, a, 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 a flag. I mean, yeah. it's every individual, right? Like some people love people who just want to talk negatively all the time because that's what they like doing. So a positive person talking is like a huge red flag for them. A negative person is like, yeah, this is my, these are my people. I love it. So it, it really comes down to the individual. And that's the basis for almost every single one of my programs. The F formula, how to become a man women want. The first part of each of those programs is about figuring out who you are, what you want, and the values and goals that you're looking for in another person, whether it's for a one night stand or for you know a lifetime relationship. It's figuring out those things that are important to you. So if somebody who really values their family is super important to you, then those are the questions that you have to ask. Those are the things that you have to look for in a profile. Those are the conversations that you have during the first to fifth date to figure out whether or not that person fits into the things that you're looking for. But if family isn't a big deal to you or on the opposite, it's like you don't want it to be a big deal to anybody, you have to look for those things. So um, I wouldn't say that there's like a set list of things to avoid and a set thing, a list of things to choose it, it's all, it all comes down to who you are and what you want, but you need to take the time to really think about those things and plot them out so you can start looking uh, in better spaces and places for those people. You just mentioned the F formula, which is uh, your information pack step-by-step -step training course. Um, you, you've, or 
apparently sold 50,000 copies, which is amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, te teaching the art of flirting to help men overcome the barrier of instant rejection. Um, yes. I, I love it because the F formula, immediately you don't think of flirting formula. Sorry, ah. I, should, I, I was like, I immediately clicked on that to see what it was about. And then I was like, wait a second. Yeah, it worked. It worked. I thought I was, was going to get other advice, but no. Um, anyway. Sorry, but, disappoint. <laughs> No, no, it's all good. I, I, you know, should know better at my age anyway. But, um, you know, I guess what I, I'm curious, you know, how do you know? And I and I, I ask for sort of all men out there in a way, you know, when a girl likes you, because I think sometimes, you know, it's clearly can be obvious, but when it's obvious, you probably actually don't want that girl. <laughs> Maybe if it's too obvious. Right? Yeah, depending you know, on who they are. If it's too obvious. You or something, then you're probably not going to be shaken off. So therefore, right. it can often be this sort of, you know, guys don't know when to act. Like they don't know when to, you know, and, and I actually watch my sort of teenage son with his friends and various things. And, and, and they're all sort of at that point in life too, where, and this is younger, this is teenage adolescence, but you know, you see them trying to flirt hopelessly or trying to say the right thing, try to be cool, try to look or, you know, I, I guess, you know, so, you know, going back to that, you know, that, that sort of question, how do you know? Like, what is the, is there a sign? Is there a dilation of the pupils? Is there, well, you know? First of all, there's like 30 different signs that you can look for. And if you have a combination of at least five or more, then yeah, you're at least on the right path. The interesting thing about women is that they can be attracted to you. You can flirt with them. They can be accepting your flirting, but that doesn't mean that it's like game on. There is a series of escalation steps that you do have to go through and you can do it in 20 minutes, or you can do it in an evening, or you can do it over the course of three dates, whatever it is, but you, you can go through um, that escalation process and get quite to- lot, Sorry, quite like, a lot of English, in quite a lot of English towns, they can do it in like 15 seconds. It's amazing. Oh, I know. I've experienced it in those days. Northern, northern, in, northern English towns. That's a new no, my boyfriend was from Colchester. He did it very well in about 30 seconds. So yeah, I, I agree with you totally. Which is where my girlfriend's currently doing a law thing. Yeah, how funny. Okay, yeah. Really, yeah, that's a garrison town. I was discussing with someone earlier on how someone said it's an American actually. Was, I was talking to me going, it's Colchester. Is that a nice place? I was going, it's absolutely not a nice place. It's like really Is not. not? Oh my gosh, I thought it was such. No. I was like 19 when he was my boyfriend. So I at was the like, moment, anything you do is amazing. Your town is. Um, at the, well, at the moment, the um, it's the Colchester's are kind of actually again. Here we go. I mean, this is probably not related, but it's it's the centre of a thing at the moment with 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 um, drink spiking. So forget dating, just go spike someone's drink. But it's got really. We can do it in fifteen seconds too. When over there. <laughs> but I said no because now now <laughs> it's not even dropping some hitting on someone's drink. Now it's even it's even weirder and more horrible and, that uh, it, people are injecting. So instead of instead of you know dropping something in some drink or whatever you do if you're a predator, people are actually injecting people, girls in clubs. I mean date rape drugs, you know. And and um, Colchester has been a centre. You know you mentioned it's been a centre of it in England. So and actually, what's the police? Because of, you know, I mean, it's quite limited to what you can do. Well, they're actually doing the police and now doing a big kind of plain clothes thing where they're just sending all these plain clothes policemen out around clubs so when, when, when it's throw out time you know if the girl's being separated from her friends or whatever these predators are sitting around you know so i mean i used to do a dating show because these guys aren't doing the dating thing this is you know it's just horrible it's just, 
But um, nice that, that's what happened. There's so many guys out there who are like, screw it. I'm not going to learn how to actually be a human being and interact with the opposite sex. I'm just going to go the easy route. Or I'm really angry at women. I'm just going to like make them do what I want. It, it's it, it's awful and sad. And I have a couple of friends who experienced yeah, angry, and it's it, a horrible experience. But but let's get back from that. Go back to the 20 seconds in Newcastle, which is when when you oh, when, yeah. when, when, <laughs> when you search out. With these 30 attributes that, that, that and these things that need to take place, can you, what are the, what are the main stages going back away from Colchester now? You did bring Colchester up. Okay, there, so, so we're going to go back up to the north, going, all right, and we will tell you. Back, <laughs> yes, well, so well even, even subtle things like dilated pupils, playing with your hair, biting on your lips, um, softening your voice, slowing down your pace, leaning in, all, all things that show that I'm paying attention, I'm actively listening to you, I'm potentially a little bit nervous around you, and I'm trying to make myself look more feminine. These are, it's not 100% these signs, like lots of women will and can flirt with you for, not for fun, but because they're enjoying that feeling of flirting without any plans to actually take it to another level. But these are one of one of the first steps and things to look for. What you're presenting to a woman, she's being receptive and responsive to, and she's helping you go to that next level. Or that when you take things to the next level, she's also agreeing to that next level. So for example, if you go from phase one of flirting to phase two of flirting, which is going from a very PG level, playful banter level of just joking around and having fun, and you say something, I'm going to throw like a totally cheesy line right now but like for example um like i i when i'm on a date i i love uh having a, a really good cocktail with like i don't know just throwing something out uh it's something like cheesy like that like just something to, to say when i'm on a date i like to right which is taking it to a space where you're having that person envisioning envisioning being on a date with you and she will either respond by switching it off of that topic of date not engaging in your conversation in any way, or she'll jump on board and contribute to that, that conversation. Oh, you know what, when I'm on a date, I really like doing X, Y, Z as well. So that can be an indication that she is okay to continue escalating with you. You've put something out there that's a little bit more flirty, a little bit more sexual, a little bit more putting into the space of the two of you being together and she's jumping on board. What should you not do? What should you not do? Oh, I mean, well, well, I mean, I guess I, I, right away. Um, like, see, the thing is, is that when I do give advice, some things do work for some people. Some people can can carry off some of these lines. Like, um, some men can go up to a woman and say, "I I think your energy is absolutely amazing. You're one of the sexiest women at this place right now. I would." love to go grab a drink with you or I would I would love to go upstairs with you right now and for some women they can be responsive to that depending on who that man is what value they perceive him to have so it can work but for the majority of guys who can't pull off lines like that um, things that are too forward too direct um, that are too overly sexual that are like grossly sexual and creepy th those things aren't welcomed right away yeah no, I just say, I mean, it just seems like, you know, you see those lines sort of perhaps in a movie or something like it's, a, right. it's almost like a James Bond line. I mean, you know, it's sort of, right. you know, what he meets them and two seconds later, they're in their, each other's arms and they're making out and you're like, well, 
you know, what, what, what did Bond just say? You know, it's sort of. Yeah. I, and the thing is, I, I've pictured myself in that scenario sometimes. And I, and I'd be like, you know, I, I could see myself responding that way to that person in that scenario where I have more of a context about who, who they are as men, but in an, in the normal world, I, I don't think I would be as open to it. It depends on what background you have with that person, what your feelings are towards them before they come and approach you. But as I said before, most, most average, like even above average, amazing guys won't be able to get those same results. Bond's a bad, Bond's a bad one nice to use because Bond, you know, there are too many of those Bonds. I mean, Bond's basically is in some of those books anyway, it's just a, is, is a rapist. I mean, it's, a, it's like what would now be construed as rape. Oh my God, yeah. Acceptable. Every old acceptable in, 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 in the In the books, in Ian Fleming's books, and which actually in some of those 60s films as well, Completely construed as completely acceptable, then would now be would now get would now land you in jail. So Bond, I don't think I think that kind of I'm not sure the char I'm not sure he can be he's been tarred a little bit. I don't think you can sort of, I don't know if you can be you know we can you can sort of just have the you know I don't think Bond well Bond's changed I haven't seen the new one actually but apparently it's, he's he doesn't apparently change. It's quite different actually. Yeah, he's only has one girlfriend and one is a you know long term lover and all the rest of it. So he's He's changed his ways over the past few years, but I know historically he's definitely, um, you know, the, the days of sort of six Bond girls as he goes through them one after the other, only to sort of basically have sex with them and then they sort of be killed on on set, you know, and then he moves on to the right. next one. Yeah, right. Those days have sort of gone for sure. Um, you talk about approaching a girl from a certain angle. Yes. Correct. So and this is like so pickup artisty. Like there are things that I have learned from the pickup artist world and from the psychological world. The truth is, is that anytime you approach a woman from behind, that is scary. We can sense you right away. If you approach straight on, that's extremely intimidating and doesn't necessarily get you the reaction that you want. That's why approaching from an angle is it's safer. And also standing on an angle when talking to a woman is better as well. Like not standing saying I'm fully committed to you and I'm present like eye contact is good but in the pickup world and it's it's true I have seen this when I put it to practice like there's certain things that I sort of scoff at but then I'll experience it myself and be like oh yeah that actually does work so standing in front of a woman if you're uh, like uh, have your shoulders pointed towards her then that isn't really a confident stance it's much more enticing to a woman if you are sort of angled away so that she could lose you at any moment there's a psychological trigger in her that says oh he's he's gonna go like I could lose him at some point even though he's making eye contact with me he's not facing directly towards me and in, in most shows they've also showed you when a woman's feet are pointing towards you that means that she's committed and she's into you so if you're approaching a woman and you stand with your feet, pointing towards her, that also sends that same signal to her. And as you said before, when you know somebody's really into you, you're like, ah, too much. It's too much for me right now. It is, it's an easier, uh, much more gradual way to um, approach a woman if you are slightly on a 45 degree angle with still making eye contact with her. This is shifting in from 45 degrees. Right. <laughs> a little bit of salsa or something and then ending yeah. up with a bit of an angle with one foot pointing towards but one foot yeah, exactly you're like i could be leaving in 10 seconds or i could be staying with you where were you when i was 18. <laughs> but here so i'm glad that you actually respond that way because for for guys like you 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 have a history of getting 
amazing girls in your life. Nigel, you're a model. You probably had girls throwing themselves at you. So for a lot of guys who have had that kind of history, they're just like, I don't get it. That sounds ridiculous. That's so much to put into attracting women. But the men that I'm helping have never really had the success of women or they've had minimal success, but don't really know why they've had it before for themselves. And so that's why these things are in place. They're like training wheels until you know they can ride on their own. And then these things get thrown out the window and they can just do whatever they want because they have you had anybody and this is a sort of serious question actually but have you actually have has anyone ever approached you gone through the you know the issues that may have trouble you know with women and stuff have, have you ever has anyone ever come to you about their, their, their inability to be able to date a woman and you've ended the conversation with perhaps you should be dating men and that's a serious that, <laughs> but it's a serious question no. No, I've never had that. I, I, I actually had like my first transgender client the other day. I think, I think the way that I put myself out there, it, it, that doesn't come my way. No, but I've never had somebody where I'm like, yeah, maybe you should be dating dudes. No, the wrong person here. You should be talking to colleague Kevin over here. He's brilliant. Go talk to Kimmy. She might be able to help you. No, yeah. No, I've never had that. I've never had that. What's wow. your transgender? That's quite complicated, isn't it? Where'd you start with that? I even I even said that. I was like, I, I'm going to either sound like so socially incorrect right now, but I, like the, the way that my business works is I am a heterosexual woman who is telling you what is in my mind. And I'm picking the brains of over 7,000 women who are also this similar to me, women who like men and have had experience with men. So I, I not that I couldn't provide advice to somebody who is coming from that space, but I don't have the experience. So I can't put myself in their shoes. Employ them immediately. Because I should have a smart idea. Open yourself up to that. I swear to God, I've run a wedding and events business in the Cotswolds. And I've got uh, friends, I've got some uh, uh, lesbian friends in France who, who are married and who obviously like the institution of marriage. So I run a wedding venue in, in, a, very, in a beautiful place in the Cotswolds. And I have tried, they have tried on my behalf to put it on faith. They know lots of people in England, the LGBT community. and yes. And they've tried to put my venue. I, I said that the one thing I don't, just don't do enough of is marry enough gay people, like men or women. We just don't know. And, and I'm highly attracted to marrying gay people because, as my lesbian friends will tell me, they've got this incredible disposable income. They're not, they, quite a lot of them don't worry about kids until later on and all the rest of it. Yeah. And well, it sounds more fun too. And that's so much fun. Yeah. Get it and I my thing and, and even with the help of my friends putting it on the you know forum gay forums about how wonderful my venue is how you know you know oh, you know how welcoming we are and all the rest of it um I just it doesn't make any difference and I think rather like I just mentioned to you that I need to get have a sort of lesbian or yeah. a gay yeah. person in the office in order to speak yeah, get them is that really this anti kind of woke thing to say probably? I don't know, but but it's rather like a transgender thing. Yeah. You no, but you're but you're totally, you're totally okay. right. Yes, yeah, the exact same thing. Like I don't fully get it, you don't fully get it, and they're gonna see that. So yeah, yeah but yes, if you have some office, that, yeah. Just maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be the same person, maybe you can hire the same person. And also, actually, transgender, think about it, it's like two for one because you can also get them to channel, <laughs> channel their previous before they realize they were trans. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. So in fact, you don't even need to hire two people. You hire one to do the person the job of two people. Yeah, full circle oh. employee. It's fantastic. 
some extraordinary level of, of completely off the beaten track on people. This is why I have him on the show because he basically, you know, will only he'll ask the questions that no one else will even think of even asking, let alone anything else. But, you know, I, I, talking about just in the, the sort of general dating process, surely the most important thing, the most successful thing you can teach someone is to have fun with it. Yeah. Because I think that if I was to think back about what it was like when I was dating, why I had success, I think it was more than anything was to do with the fact that I was just enjoying the process. Like you mentioned, like some women will like to flirt with you. You're almost like a cat will catch a mouse, not to kill it, but to play with it, slightly torture it. You know, there's an element of dating that is the game. It's the chase. It's like the actual capture is is cannot always be that much fun. It's like, oh, it's happened now. Kind of right. thing. I've done it. But the chase, if you can teach men to enjoy the chase. And and the to- way, I totally agree with you. I 100% agree with you. And the, the main thing that I end up teaching to men is to ask for what they want because that's how they start having fun. So they're not having fun because they're not putting their real selves out there. They're not allowing themselves to be sexual in any way. They think that if they let the woman know that they're attracted to them, that they're being inappropriate or disrespectful or that it's going to turn her off because they're going to appear needy. So that's not fun, right? If you're constantly going out and you're controlling yourself or like subduing yourself or cutting a portion of yourself off so that one of the first things well it's the second thing after I teach guys about figuring out what they want they have to be able to speak it out loud so one of the client that I was working with yesterday he's super successful has like mastered his domain in the business world but with women he's just like I don't know what I'm doing wrong I can't get it right I, I just can't ask for what I want I can't flirt with women And as we got into our coaching session, he started revealing to me, he never goes after the opportunities that he wants. He just has women come on to him or just has women who are pursuing him. And he never actually says, I want to kiss you. I want to do this with you. I want to take you out. I want to approach you. He's, he's never the one who gets to be the leader or even involved in the process. It's What? That's like the worst client ever, isn't it? I know, exactly. Like, well, for fuck's sake, I mean, just, sorry, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, you, I'll be like, you should date dudes. That's what I'm going to say next time. You li- no, you should just be like, then, like, what's the problem? Like, this is not yeah. a dating problem. If people right. are just throw themselves at you, that's the thing. That's, that's most of what I deal with. I don't actually date with dating problems. It's literally just teaching people to say the things that they want, to bullet out what they want to say and then say those things. So it's not covered up in all this gibberish. Listen, I think you're super sexy. I want to date you. Do you want to date me? I want to just, you know, get a, 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 a like what the room temperature is here. Get a feeling for what you're feeling as well. No, you don't want to date me? Great, I'm going to go over there and find somebody that does want to date me. That That is the majority of the issues that I deal with. Whether it is with somebody who is married and having difficulty with his wife or somebody on the very front end who is having struggles with dating. They are out there dating for other people and I help them learn how to date for themselves. What about, for example, when you know, there's that, there's a sort of a, a general concept that, you know, if you go to, if you're dating someone or trying to meet, you're meeting someone for the first time, you're having that first dinner or whatever, 
if you talk about yourself too much or you talk about what you want too much, yeah. it turns the other person off. There's there's an element of of listening and and wow. and, listen, and asking questions about finding out about them, not talking about yourself all the time and sort of telling everyone how great you are, all the things you've achieved, but rather turning it over to to let them have the stage. Right? Yeah. So I, I do something, it's called conversation threading. I teach people to actually thread conversations, but then I teach men about this really important tool that I call, it's LCA, or the three letters, it's learn, confirm, appreciate. And actually, I'm going to appreciate you for a second, because I, I don't know if you were like this before you started doing your podcast, but I'm sure your wife really appreciates how you listen to her. You've shown me several times throughout this podcast, like you really listen to what I'm saying and you, you take in my words and you actually respond to what's been said instead of just adding your two cents. So if you're applying that to your home life, I, I would think you would have wonderful, at least listening communication with your wife. So you're doing a fantastic job, but many men don't actually know how to do that. So on this occasion, sorry, on this occasion, I might add, that's because he's listening intently. And he's very <laughs> to he's what trying really hard. She's saying a lot of words. I know I'm supposed to listen. I know. Um, quite often, quite yeah. often, it does end up with him talking about himself and what he does and all the rest of it, which, but you know, you can't get a word in edgeways. We just listen there. <laughs> But that's because so your- you have a friendship from when you're 13 years old, for sure. But that, in this, in your case, you take a very good job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think- yes, he is doing a very good job. But so many men, I teach them how to do that. So it's listen, confirm, appreciate. It's listen. My, my mother, my mother's told me, said to me once in in her in her in her generation. So back in the sort of 60s, they were women were taught to basically when you go to dinner or something, you sit next to a man, you. The man is the most fascinating thing ever, and you just literally sit there and ask questions. And that was what they were all taught. And you listen and you nod and you, you sort of stroke the ego and do all of that stuff. I mean, I personally can't stand it. I hate being asked questions about myself and would immediately turn anything around onto anyone else. Because other people, I always find other people much more interesting. Because I already know what I'm doing. So I always find other people that I think I don't know more interesting than what I already do know. That's just me. But, no, but um, that's an amazing skill set because you know how to put people into this space where they're they feel interesting, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, most people don't know how to do that because on their own side they're thinking, "Does she like me? Is she attracted to me? Am I doing the right thing? Did I choose the right restaurant? Am I?" There's just so much going on for them internally that they're not even able to get to to that space where they're like, "Yeah, I'm curious about you. Tell me about you. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about me." But then I'm going to uh, want to find out more about you. Because as you just said, I know myself already, but let's see how I am with you and what you bring out in me. But I also need to learn more about you to get to that space. But a lot of people don't have those conversation skills. And most likely, it could be from the background of this is how we grew up realizing how conversation goes. And that's what we did in our household. And that's what we passed on to you. Right. Like I I'm constantly teaching my children how to have back and forth conversation. I I don't know if the same things that I'm teaching were the things that my father was teaching to me and his father was teaching to them. So I I think, first of all, we're educating people a lot more about how to have communication or at least two way communication. Um, But many of the men that I, I work with never really had that being taught to them. So now I'm teaching it to them. How old are your children, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, four and seven. Okay, so it's great because I'm now going to give you some advice. Oh yeah, that, give I, me. that I heard the other day on that I heard the other day, and I tried it. I have a twelve-year-old. I've tried it, and it works. 
So at the end of a school day, right, and this all worked till they're about in their mid-teens. Uh, yeah, and I, I said, I think I said, told this to Nigel, at the end of the school day, if you pick them up from school and you're in the car with them, if you turn around and say, how was your day? And they go, and they're just like, Ugh. you know, they, like, they don't really respond. Apparently it's because it's just such a monumentally huge and enormous question that where do you yeah. even begin? But apparently if you pick out just, if, if, if for instance, you want to try and instill in them the, the virtues of gratefulness, for instance, right? You, you will ask the question, what were you grateful for today? Yeah. Were you and if you ask the question a few times over and over again, they start thinking about what they what the meaning of gratefulness is. And, and then, you know, were you kind, did, what would you know? Did you perform any particular act of kindness today? You know, was there a moment that you were really kind today? And then they start getting into the same kind is good, kindness is good. And then they actually start finding moments of kind. So then you start the back and forth. Yeah. But if you ask them such a, if you ask them a dumbass oh, question, God. like, how was your day? You know, and you expect them to give you like a yeah. resume rundown from nine till five. It doesn't <laughs> work. But if you pick little moments, like who did you sit next to at lunch? They have, they're able to, how, oh, is he a good friend of yours? You, know, you start actually getting information out of you know, Tom, talking about what you're, what you're talking about right now, what's interesting is, is that, and going back to what you said earlier about turning the conversation around and asking your neighbour about what they're doing, it, it boils down to genuinely, I think, genuinely, this is the problem, and I think people, it's not genuine a lot of the times, genuinely being interested in... Yeah who you're speaking to, or just people in general, right? So that when you go to a party, are you there to announce yourself and present yourself? Or are you there to learn? And are you there to receive? And are you there to, you know, find new friends and be interested in, in the world itself? Or do you think that you're the solution? And I think that if you think you're the solution and you're the answer, you're going to fail. You know, and ultimately, if you go thinking, I'd love to learn, I'd love to meet people, and I'm just curious, and I'm fascinated, that fascination is incredibly contagious and charismatic. And, and I, you know, that and then people, likewise, will open up to you and then ask you and it becomes a sort of two way thing, whether it's with your children or whether it's with yeah. potential date, right. And I, I think that's the thing that must be the hardest thing to, to teach, right, because, I, you know, you talk about all these methods and things, but it has to go past that these you know even when it's walking towards someone if the person has to surely think about the angle on of approach yeah. it's it's like we're well, not landing a plane you know it's like it's not this is something where you have it, it has to be a part of your sort of dna to some extent you've got to you've got to learn it like you're driving but once you're driving you don't think about where the pedals yeah. are you know where the pedals are right yeah. it's so you never it's you don't second guess it so there's a huge amount of practice that goes on yeah. How do you, what do you do to get people to just kind of, I guess, immerse themselves in this? I just tell them that if they give what I'm saying to them for 30 days, if they give it a try for 30 days, they, they will see a change. It's going to feel weird at first. It's going to feel awkward, but they will start to notice people noticing them more, them feeling more comfortable in social settings, them being more open and actually having people being drawn to them. And if they don't see it after 30 days and they've really put practice into it, then they can just say, screw you, Marnie. I don't want to listen to your advice. But I know from my own experience, because most of this stuff that I do teach in the very beginning is about building confidence and just being comfortable with who you are and doing exactly what you just said, which I think you said beautifully. Um, and these are things that 
I have done. It's not a male, female, or, you know, one side or the other side type of thing. It's everybody can learn these skills to be more comfortable with themselves. And I've gone through all of these steps and tools, and I've gotten to a place where it is automated for me, where I'm not thinking, okay, how am I standing? Is that weird? Or, oh, I'm going to touch this person because I'm going to try it for the first time. I just, I do it all naturally now because it's built in to my system. Um, and and that, so, that really is the only guarantee. Thing. 30 day guarantee. I, so let's extend the 30 day guarantee. So if anyone comes back and goes, screw you, money, it hasn't worked. At that point, maybe I should be, I think I should be your, your, I think I should come and work for your marketing department. At that point, you should say, well, Jeff, perhaps you should do it again for another 30 days, but this yeah. time. Why don't you talk to my transgender colleague? Try it on men. Yeah. Maybe we try it on men. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, you just bought yourself a whole 30 days. If you try it another way, that would be another 30 days. I'm going to give you another free 30 days guaranteed, but it's men this time. Go on, go out there. Yes, I'm so glad I came back to you and told you about my frustration. Thank you, Marnie. Before we move on, I want to ask you more about your book, Be Her Hero. Okay. So, what does that exactly mean? I mean, obviously, everyone loves a hero, right? And there's a you know, they save the day, they are chivalrous, they are charming, they are strong, they are normally confident. You know, I, I guess there's a, it sounds, it sounds almost impossible for most people to be a hero. It's, you know, heroes are few well, and far so between. Simple. It's so simple. That is the thing. So, the, so this is the book that I co-wrote with a marriage and family therapist, who's also a very close friend, Tara Harrison. Um, and on my side, it's actually called Beyond Attraction, but her, for the purposes of putting our book out there, we called it Be Her Hero. But it, it's really a book that helps men learn how to emotionally connect to women and build trust. So this can be a female coworker, it can be your mother, it can be your sister, it can be your girlfriend, your daughter, whoever it is. And it really, it, it, exactly what you were talking about at the beginning of the show with your you know, daughter going crazy and your wife saying, shh, don't do this. It, it really, it teaches you how to tap in to a woman's emotions so you can connect with them and they can feel more safe around you. And there's a, a whole system that was taught by, um, oh my gosh, the Har I think it's the Harvells. I'm so horrible that I don't remember these things, but they, they, they created the system that's called Attune, which it's A-T-T-U-N-E. And I'm gonna forget exactly what all those things stand for, but, but they're, they're ways of having safe conversations with the person sitting across from you, typically a woman, um, so that she feels heard, you feel heard and everybody doesn't get their nervous system triggered into a tizzy. So, for example, like one little tidbit of, of information from this book would be for most men out there, the easiest sentence that you can say to any woman and to any child as well, something I'm learning in my parenting coaching too, is right. that when some woman or a child comes to you all frazzled and their nervous system is shot and they're triggered in some way, you look at them and you say, that must be really hard for you. I hear you. Like just that sentence sentence alone gets them to to calm down a little bit and then then you can really have a conversation but uh the, the whole book really teaches about how to be there emotionally for a woman so that she can love you more and I'm, I'm married so I even have these struggles with my husband and I and I'm coaching people how to do this and also trying to coach my husband but we'll have an argument and I'll literally start saying the steps to him all I want right now from you is just a hug I'm getting really emotional the things I'm saying out of my mouth don't make any sense come over and hug me like I'll, I, I say that while I'm in my own tizzy but most women don't have the ability to do that and what they end up doing is getting angrier building up resentment because 
they think that what they're saying is so clear to a man because they're presenting it emotionally and it's not registering for a man. So when a man continues to fail over and over again to not give that woman what she needs in that moment that she feels like she's saying so clearly, she just becomes the opposite of hero. She is his, she, he is her villain. He's the one that makes her feel bad. He's the one that doesn't understand her. And that's where a lot of tension and resentment comes from. So this book it's, teaches about how to, how to do the opposite. Is it, are you also, do you believe in the love, la I mean, the, the love languages? I mean, what you're describing are the love I languages. Do. You know, I, I need a hug, I need a hug. Some people need, what is yeah. it, you know, affirmation or you need time or you need acts of general, you know, acts of- yeah, um, quality time, exactly, gift giving. So I actually just wrote an article on this, but yeah, I, what, the more information you can learn about how people work, the, the more right. armed you are. Right, the, these the these books are for a reason. So if you know, even in passing, you just say, "Oh, let's do a little quiz with each other with a girl that you started dating," and you figure out what her love language are is, yeah. and she figures out what yours is. I mean, then you have more information about her, and then you can be her hero. You can do the things for her that make her feel good. If you find out yeah. that her things are act of kindness, great. That that is a point for you that you know that she is going to feel really special around you when you do an act of kindness. That's gonna feel absolutely amazing for her. Yeah. Before we let you go, you've been amazing, by the way. And we, we, we could probably talk to you all night long with a hundred different things and pop open another bottle of something and just sit here and chat. But- No, yeah. it's almost time for my tequila now, yeah. No, seriously. But um, we've got something called Last Orders, which is a sort of rapid fire question moment. I've got a couple of questions too, Tom. So, you know, we, we'll probably divvy this up. I'll jump in first. But I, I hope you're more interesting than mine because I've just made, I've just de developed my questions during the podcast. As have I, as have I. I, I sometimes do this, sometimes I don't, but I've got a couple here because I was just, was, I don't know, there's so many things we could ask you, but simply enough, what's the number one thing men get wrong in the bedroom? Ooh, uh, they forget to connect to a woman while they're being sexual. So they're, they're, they're constantly uh, focusing on whether or not they're doing it right or they're pleasing her and they forget to actually see her in the bedroom. So if they saw her, they connected to her, they could actually get all those answers. Wow. That's interesting. I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's, you're right. I, I, I can, I can imagine that being a big issue. My, my, I guess my, my next one is, is quite simple too, but it's probably, I, I just, what is, is there a worst pickup line or flirt, flirting sort of flirt? What's the worst, oh, number one worst thing? I don't think, I, I told you before, it's how you say it, right, that matters. So like, even if some guy were to say the cheesiest work pick, worst pickup line, I could probably find that endearing. Like, that was funny. Like, so I, I don't, I know, I don't actually think there is a really bad pickup line. Okay, on the contrary then, is there a best flirt? Is there a best line? No, right? No, it's the same I, thing. It's really it's about how you line. say it. I mean, if somebody came up to me and said, like, you're so hot, I can't wait to stick it to you later. Like, like no matter how you say that, like, I don't think that's going to go off really well. So, yes, maybe there are some really bad. I think there is a best one as well. But I may have contradicted myself earlier on in this podcast. But Bond, hello, my name is Bond, James Bond. That <laughs> exactly. seems to work. That's I like to date multiple women and anything I mean, we do we consider date rape, right? Yeah, I've tried I, that. I've tried that line, Tom. It doesn't work. Yeah. The name's Barker. No, it worked for him. That's my point. We don't talk about you. There you we know, go. You did yourself with that one. There we go. Oh, go ahead, Tom. You got a question? Yeah. Um, 
how important is so all this date stuff is all good well and good and it makes perfect sense what you're saying how important is smell it's really important like for me especially i have a nose like a hound like if you wear too much cologne um or a really bad scent that i do not like yeah i'm i'm never going to want to stand around you no matter how into you i am because i'll be fixated and focused on the the smell and do you believe in the taking away the cologne aspect of it do you believe in the kind of pheromone you know do, do some people literally, literally is it, do, do you believe in that, that I invisible know. i actually don't know what i believe i I've seen lots of studies on pheromones that like are debunking the studies and then ones that are praising the studies, but I don't actually really know what I believe. I don't believe that there's a smell that I would like that draws me to somebody. I, I, think can, tell you, I can tell you this, when I smell bad, I turn myself off. Right. So it doesn't <laughs> matter how much I find me attractive. I'm like, damn it, I got to take a shower. I stink right, right now. So, but I, but I am, I'm with you on the, non, I'm not a fragrance person either, really. I don't say I don't like certain smells because I do. Yeah. I love natural flowers, essential oils to some yeah. extent, certain yeah. things, low key, low, low key. But it, I, the most, the thing I like most of all is just fresh as in like, me too. Like yeah. just smells normal, nice like fresh, clean. Yeah, nice I like nice. that as well. Actually, I do want to go back to the question about the best pickup line, because I will tell you. So we did, um, I have a master class that we do every single month where we have a different expert come on and speak about like, a very niche topic. So we had this guy Cosmo come on last month and talk about um, how to meet women. And he had this amazing line that I think can be carried, uh, carried well by any man of any, any age. And it's just a really authentic way of approaching somebody where he would go up and he would say, Hey, I saw, I, I, I saw you from over there. Like, I can tell you, you have the most amazing energy. I, I was instantly drawn to you. My name's Cosmo. Like, and I, and I, I like that line. Cause I, I feel like there's nobody who can kind of put down that you have a good energy, right? There's no, eh, I don't want to talk to you or I'm talking to my friends right now. You will at least engage in another minute from, with someone who comes up and says, like, you just have unbelievable energy. You know, it's funny though, I've, I've used that line, but not as a line. Like, I think I, I didn't even realize it. I, I think I've said that to be, not because, but I'm, I, I love energy about, and I'm, as a photographer, yeah. as a fashion photographer, the one yeah. thing I can capture is someone's energy, right? So if you don't bring energy, it doesn't matter how beautiful you are, you, you're, they are boring because there's nothing coming out of your eyes. There's, there's, there's like the energy's gone. But you can have someone who potentially, if you were to sort of describe them, people would be like, oh, that's not really my type. But when you see them and meet them, the energy level is so high that they're incredibly attractive, right? So I talk about energy a lot. And I, I will often say to someone, my God, you know, like we just created magic with these photographs or something because the, the energy that you had in your in your body was just electric. And I yeah. the chemistry that was between us as I was photographing you, I really felt like I connected and I could I could see who you are. I could feel who you are in the pictures and you know, your motion in your eyes. And so that it is a very strong sense. So it's a real thing, though. It's not just it's BS. So perhaps so you've really going got up and saying you're so pretty because, OK, I'm pretty. I've heard, I've heard a million times, right? That's like a model's going to fancy you. But if you say like there's there's something behind you that you're giving off, that's just you. It's from what you've created that I like and I see. I feel like that's one of the best compliments that you can give to a woman, which isn't really a compliment. It's just a sincere um, appreciation of what it is that you see. And I think that that's why lines like that work so well. And that can work from a 25-year-old to a 65-year-old or higher, you know, you can go to any age range. Tom, what, what, you got one more? 
Yeah, it's. It, it, I mean, incels. Advice to incel. This is a this is a budding This is a budding group of people who. I, I figure a sort of slightly self-indulgent gothic where sort of, you know, people who actually celebrate. Do you never, have you heard about these incels? Yes, these people who celebrate the concept that they can't pick up. Involuntary celibates. Yes. So, I mean, these are really angry men. So advice. there's a group called so your advice, advice, to advice for them. I mean, come talk to me. So there's a couple, I've had a couple, uh, I've been on a couple of podcasts, like incel podcasts. And there's another group called MGTOW, which is men going their own way. Um, so there's a, other hosts of podcasts in that world who have invited me on to speak. Um, and I honestly feel like having that story, I mean, that them, I feel like wow. I, both of the hosts actually a year later moved away from both of those worlds. So I don't know, maybe just having a conversation with me or coming and watching my stuff. Um, but I will say these people are angry and frustrated and uh, they believe stories about themselves that are not true and it keeps them in this endless cycle and they don't have the support system to bring them out of it. So they choose to latch onto other people who are equally as angry and support what they're saying. And that's how they get deeper and deeper into trouble. So they're not swearing off sex with women because they can have sex with tons of women they're swearing it off because they're angry and bitter towards women because they won't give them sex. So I think first advice to them is to really realize what they're doing um, and then seek proper assistance, not from pickup artists and other people who are going to give you routines, uh, search out coaches and assistants where people can help break things down for you into small chunks of information. So you can really work your social muscle and come out of your literal cell and shell um, and then hopefully you see things in a, in a different way. Wow. There we go. I can't, I'm incredibly, but I'm very, very sort of impressed that, that you, to hear that you, you went on an incel podcast. I mean, yeah. I can't think, that must have been really, that must have been, that must well, have been. Well, to be honest, like, I didn't really know much about incel or MGTOW. When, when I got invited to be on these shows, I, I looked them up. So MGTOW, for example, men going their own way. By definition, they are men who just want to be men, who don't really want to bother with women. They want to go their own way. They want to go into the woods and celebrate their manlyhood, their masculinity. And I was like, that's great. <laughs> that sounds wonderful that they just said, yeah, women aren't my thing. I just want to enjoy like the men around me. This might be towards my other advice that I'm giving to guys to be with other men, but um, but that that's literally who I thought they were. I thought they were very strong-willed, strong-minded men who were just very confident in the fact that they had no interest in women and just wanted to be men. When I got on and realized how angry they were and then saw the comments from the other men who were listening, I realized how sad and frustrated they were. So I felt really you know, horrible for them. And same thing with the incels. I thought same thing. They're just swearing off sex because you know, they don't find it pleasurable for themselves anymore and it's distracting for them. So, but then when I learned more about them, I realized it, that was not the case. There you go. There you go. Yeah. That's the question. Podcast called Master Bates. <laughs> wow. Um, on that note, one last question for you. Shaken <laughs> or stirred? Ooh, uh, I like it shaken. And why? Oh, who, who doesn't want it to be shaken up a little bit? You got to toss things around to make it fun. Uh, on that note, people. Somebody, <laughs> on that note of multiple sexual innuendos. <laughs> and that's how to flirt, yeah. Right, there we go. <laughs>
the Ask Women podcast, the Wing Girl Method, the F Formula, um, books of like Get Inside Her, Dirty Dating Tips and Secrets from a Woman, to her new book, Be Her Hero. Marnie Kinris, thank you so much. You've got so much, so many things, so many ways to find you so much. Thank you for helping men. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you to them for listening to me and for letting me speak to them for 17 years. So yeah, thank you really really a lot of fun a lot of fun and uh I, I guess everyone out there you should all get yourself a, a chictionary at the very least definitely go well actually so i want to make an offer to the people who are listening so i have an amazing book called 10 uh mistakes men make with women and how to avoid them and i want to give it to your audience for free so if they want to get a copy of it they just go to winggirlmethod.com slash free book Give their email address on that homepage, and then they will get a copy sent to their email. Boom. Yes, boom, there it is. Well, oh, and, and so Chictionary is going to be followed shortly if you take my business advice by Dictionary, spelled <laughs> with D-I-C-K, when you've got <laughs> catering for that whole secondary market that you haven't even thought that's of. That's pretty good. I like that. We get you back on once that's all up and running and going well. Yeah, we'll whole, check in in a couple of months, and I'll let you know how it's going. Oh, yeah. yeah. My oh, God. Yeah. Everybody, that was shaken and stirred. We love you. Have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, whatever it might be, whatever hour you're listening to us. We hope you have fun. Marnie, thank you so much. We we'll hope to see Thanks, you soon. Marnie. Thank you. It's me. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. That is Shaken Instead. We will be back next week with another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe. See ya.